Sonic States. What's wrong? Coming up on Sonic Talk number 229, I'm joined by Gaz Williams, songsurgeon.co.uk in the studio. Uh, we take a look at the Teenage Engineering OP1 synthesizer, which has just arrived on my desk. We talk about signature sounds of Michael Jackson and signature sounds in general from uh, through the ages. Cinevibe's Turbulence, Sample Logic's Rumble and Mattel Sonic's Drum Machine. Gaz also tells us a little bit more about Reaper 4. Sonic Talk is brought to you by Yamaha, yamahasynth.com, yamahadownload.com. Check out their N8 and N12 analog console with built-in compression, EQ, wonderful mic amps, and a built-in 24-bit 96K Firewire audio interface. And by Mac Pro Video, one of the most complete training resources on the web for door and audio-related software tuition. Save an extra 20% on all downloads by visiting sonicstate.com forward slash mpv. So, hello everybody and welcome to Sonic Talk number 229. Uh, you can tell it's the holiday season. Uh, we're recording live today on Wednesday the 10th of August and we have some holidayers. And uh, the first holidayer uh, who's not here is Dave Spears. He's having a well-deserved break um, somewhere on the continent. And uh, Rich Hilton is also getting a break with his, uh, his lovely wife, Honey. So, good... Good to them, and, and, and that's it. So you're stuck with me, and uh, that little mutter you heard there in the corner was uh, Gaz Williams, who's also dropped into the chat room. He says that it was just because uh, his girlfriend wanted to go shopping, but actually he just confessed that it's because he wanted to see the OP1, which is what I have in person here, and that's his finger prodding it right now. <laughs> yes. So, uh, well, and, and welcome everybody in the chat room. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we do have a live video stream going out, and we also have the chat room. Uh, nice to see a fulsome uh, crew in there. I, I refer them to them as the sort of turbo brain. Mm. Anything we don't know, they do know. So <laughs> if we need um, prompting or any other information, then you guys are the person to to help. Mm -hmm. So thank you very much. And uh, well, um, let me see where do we start. I'm just looking at my notes. I'm a bit. I'm a bit um, off, out of sorts. But maybe what we could do is start with the. Uh, the OP1. Uh, there it is. There is the uh, OP1. Uh, arrived yesterday. And uh, I hope you can still see me. Yes, I think that's going through. Um, what do you think? I, I must admit, when I got it out of the box, I just thought, what a gloriously made piece of equipment. It's not made of plastic and horrid. It's just mm -hmm. solid yeah. metal. Absolutely, yeah. It's really nicely put together. Uh, I'm particularly taken with the encoders they've got a really satisfying little click and each click responds with whatever's going on on the screen in a, a really pleasing way and as nick was saying to me earlier that the oled screen is just a it's just a wonderful thing it's just incredibly responsive i guess we're so used to on these devices having lcd screens and things which are generally pretty laggy and a bit unresponsive and this is just like Beautiful, isn't it? It is. I, I, if I could just, if we get us, um, you can see. I don't know if it's picking up the frame rate quite so perfectly, <laughs> but this—it's so fluid. Yeah. And if we go to the mix page, you get to see the sort of bounce of the. Uh, if I play something, I don't know what sort yeah. of dreadful noise I've left in there. You can see that the, even those, they just respond. They bounce. Mm. They've got all of this stuff, which is just kind of really. Yeah really quite it's it's compelling i think is is what i would have to say uh so now i'm just trying to so i've we've moved the camp we move this around a bit so i'm just having to jiggle a little bit with the presets on my uh my camera here so there we go i think we're all right now but um 
it's not white as it looks. I've had to bump the contrast up on this because it was a yeah. little bit hard to uh, hard to see this display. It's sort of a grey, isn't it? Yeah, it's a definite grey grey tinge. It's light grey, but yeah, it's certainly not white. So. I, I, I was surprised about that. I was expecting it to sort of have that kind of uh, Cassia whiteness about it, but no. Yeah, it's, uh, I was hoping for the, the cheap ivory look. Yeah. <laughs> Slightly faded with time. Yeah. So, I think the earlier versions were white. I'm sure they were. I'm no. pretty sure they were too, to be honest. But mm-hmm. uh, oh yes, um, asking the chat room how much it is I didn't actually know, but the chat room has once again come to the rescue. Mm. It is in fact. 799 euros, which is around about... It's going to be about 1,000 bucks, isn't it? Yeah. And about 750, maybe mm. 700 quid, yeah. something like that. But, I mean, we're talking quality. I mean, it's not tat no. by any stretch. No. Or, or if it is, they've disguised it magnificently well. Because <laughs> I think all of this stuff is plastic. All of the kind of... The, 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 the buttons are plastic, aren't the they? The buttons are plastic, and you can feel a bit of movement in mm-hmm. certain things. So, but the outer casing, this shell here, yeah. is all is solid aluminium. And I think there's a little battery compartment in there. It doesn't take batteries, it charges up. Aha, that was a question someone was asking. Um, I do believe that they used a similar kind of manufacturing process to the new MacBooks, so I say the new MacBooks, but what they call the so uni- unibody, unibody kind of idea. Yeah, that where, where it's kind of cast in aluminium and has kind of got the kind of routing built into the into the frame inside it. So I guess it's... Probably very durable as well. Well, I would hope so. I mean, mm. I, I haven't tried pulling any of the knobs off or anything, <laughs> but I, I feel like perhaps I can't because this one has to mm. go back into circulation. But so far, I have to say, it's very compelling. It's sort of there's some yeah. nice synthesizer designs uh, uh, aspects. So maybe if we flip a few synths in, just try a few of those presets. And sure. Just uh, fire up a few so people can hear. Uh, okay. I'm not sure what that is. I haven't actually learned yet. But the, the, what they've actually done is a great job of creating something which has um, a compelling feel to it. I mm-hmm. mean, that's the thing that really does really does work nicely. You just sort of want... Yeah, the display is so beautifully done. And all the, you know, things like... Um, maybe if we can show this... Uh, oh, where is it? It's here... And then you go there. Is it where's the EQ? The EQ. Oh. It's mixer, isn't it? And yeah. then you hit that. And the yeah. EQ. I mean, it's just, it's just you know, just if I just zoom in a bit. Oh, I've done it wrong now. I'm like, hold on a minute. Sorry about this, guys. I'm not. There we go. So if I this this controls the overall effect of the EQ, oh, and then and it's a very powerful EQ actually like you know you can hear as you just turn it you can really hear the difference which makes it quite makes it quite nice I mean the, the distortion and stuff you're hearing is because it's not really set up there, there's there's other plugins and what have you going on inside yeah. it and I'm afraid I haven't kind of totally <laughs> totally mastered in it in, in the uh, four hours I've had playing with it and that does bring a certain issue up doesn't it that it's there's a certain amount of uh, uh, not. It's not quite as an Im- immediate thing. You definitely would need to be referring to the manual some quite a bit with it. I think. 
initially, oh, anyway. I can f- fully verify that you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Uh, L56 in the chat room says, look at the rest of the stuff on Teenage Engineering's site. This is the cheapest thing they make. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I mean, you know, I must admit, when I first... Uh, Saw it. I remember being on record saying, look, I think this is a ruse. I think they're just after some uh, design gigs, and I don't think they're ever going to make it, given what they're trying to do. And I have to say, I take my hat off, not that I'm wearing one, um, (laughs) to them for actually achieving it. I mean, it's very well done. And, and, I mean, it feels... Even though it has been quite a long time in the coming, Mm. it sort of doesn't feel like it, because they've they've managed the PR really well somehow. Yeah, they've managed to kind of maintain interest. I mean, I've certainly been really excited about it and following it quite avidly. Um, just to answer a few questions, someone is, uh, someone's mentioning, uh, asking about the, the keyboard, which is, we don't think it's velocity sensitive and it's certainly not in its default state. Um, and the keys themselves, they're a little bit spongy. They kind of got a... Um, they're, they're buttons, aren't they? It's they're more like, like buttons, yeah. It's kind of the, um, it's it's like it's it's sort of like the nano key vibe, yeah. but but better constructed infinitely more. Oh, definitely, those are know, very loose and yeah. Not this is, this feels a little more. They're quite nice to play. They are quite nice to play. They're certainly not uh, don't give you any kind of piano feeling, but they are um, they're kind of big enough, I think, for 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 its purpose. But they're certainly not. Um, you're not going to want to sort of uh, try your Liberace impressions on it. No, certainly not. <laughs> um, there were some other questions uh, coming in the chat room. Um, uh, can it be used as an external with external MIDI keyboard? I don't know. You can use. I've plugged it in and used it as a MIDI source yeah. just very quickly. Um, but and I think it showed a MIDI in, input at the same time. So I think ah. it's got one MIDI in and out. Now what okay. that does. I'm not sure uh, exactly, because I just haven't had it for long enough to try it. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is very much as just a sort of a pre-preview pre of the, the review, which I will be getting yeah. on with. Uh, as I said, I've got to send it back. Um, uh, I've got to send it back quite sharpish, so I haven't got that much time with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, and actually, the speaker's quite good in it as well, isn't it? That's the other thing said. It, it's, it sort of has a, It's a, quite loud. It feels a bit like the MacBook speaker. It's yeah. got quite a lot of volume to it. Yeah, it's very trebly, but um, well, yeah, <laughs> no, no sub bass. You can't hear the bottom <laughs> end. No, but you can always plug a pair of headphones. That's into true, it. but but it is actually it is actually surprisingly loud, really, for such a tiny speaker. So you know, certainly not just a token speaker, but um, it's definitely something. As Nick says, it's definitely is something that you do want to explore and. Uh, Largely to do with the responsiveness of the display, I think it does. Yeah, it does. feel it really does give the impression of yeah. of something that is alive mm-hmm. in that way. The, um, someone's asking about the bottom end, uh, what it's like uh, once you've got it plugged in. Uh, we've got it. We, we've got it plugged in. Let's see if we can find uh, mm-hmm. a sound that will. Well, we've got a bottom end there. Yeah, I think it's a very trebly sound we're using now. That one is. Mm-hmm. spring thing on it which I have to say is you might want to turn that down a bit I think it's that way there's no EQ on that 
I think plenty. I found there's a couple of things in there, and we can. We can I mean, these are just preset. You, there are memories that you can call up, but I'm not. I'm sat, you know, I'm just not actually quite there yet in terms of fully operational. But it, I, I particularly like that. Um, I'm not sure if you'll be able to see this with the camera, but every single click that I do of the encoder. I mean, here I'm actually adjusting the amount of turns in this particular spring model. But it's like every single click, there's a graphical reaction to it and so obviously when you're doing it fast you don't you know but it, it's just that sort of resolution the way that the encoders and the screen are just completely yeah as one and also if you notice when you play something the spring you know it, it's it's wobbling a bit, you know everything <laughs> yeah. seems to be designed to sort yeah. of respond to the audio mm. path as well so mm. there's lots of visual feedback yeah um anyway I just thought it'd be nice to uh, have a little preview there, and uh, we may well get to some a little bit more of it later if there's a, a requirement. Uh, was that just? A... <laughs> uh, Gaz is on the iPad, uh, checking in with the chat room at the moment. We're fully teched up. In fact, we, if, it, we, I feel like we're on the set in one of those open university um, laboratories where there's all these sort of things on kind of clamps feel and, a bit like that. and wires going everywhere. I think health and safety would have a bit of a laugh if they came in here today. But anyway, let's maybe move on to one of the topics, unless anybody's got a very qu any particular question they would like asked. Asked or answered? Have you seen anything going past in the chat room, guys, or is it uh, all looking like we're we're on on track? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, there's lots of uh, Mac Doctor's been very useful, posting lots of ah, uh, thank you, Mac Doctor. Yeah, lots of lots of facts up, lots of things which are more cables, Igor, more cables. Yes, like 16-hour battery life. Uh, ah, I hadn't known that, but I, I mean, uh, I took it home and it didn't. You know, I was I didn't play it with it for 16 hours. I was too tired last night. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, 24, what's that now? Uh, 24 minutes on the, the recording. So if I was to press the tape recorder uh, here, we can see there's a tape recorder and there's like a kind of timeline along the bottom. And uh, so if I was to push play, you can see that advancing along the bottom. And there's four tracks. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But you can overdub as well. Right. Um, you can, um, and I think what you can do is create sections of the tape I still haven't I haven't really looked into that totally mm -hmm. but you can create sections of tape so you can move around but I, I'd have to double check that it's sort of a little bit uh, yeah. uh, vague at this point because I haven't read the manual properly and so uh, oh these encoders by the way do have a uh, yeah they do they click push. but I don't know what they do because oh, right, okay. none of them seem to have any kind of maybe that's when you're in using it as a MIDI controller mode it'll output mm -hmm. something I'm not sure entirely or maybe they've got purposes uh, aligned for it later mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, you can bounce down so you can get more than four tracks. There's lots of things that you can do with it. In fact, mm -hmm. I'm sure they said that there was an FM radio in there as well. Yes. I haven't found that yet. <laughs> yeah, which I, I think is fab, fab idea for just random sampling just to, you know... Or just listening to the radio. Oh, just listening to the radio. Mind you, it should have been DAB, really, shouldn't it, if they were, <laughs> if they were really right up with it. Yeah. Oh, the encoders, industrial-grade incremental encoders... Uh, uh, rotational life up to a million revolutions. <laughs> Operational from minus 40 to plus 85. Yeah, that's quite interesting because they definitely feel... I've not felt an encoder like that on any uh, on any other device, really. It's, uh, I mean, there's a tiny bit of wobble. They're not like the most super solid things, but they are, I think, I, just this tiny, tiny little kind of incremental clicks 
I know I keep going on about that, but I'm really drawn to You've got to, to think that. about it, haven't you? I do. <laughs> it, it does it for you. Yes, it does. Right, let's move on. Um, now, that's, this was a really interesting article. Uh, let me see if I can... I've got it up here. It's on, by Keyboard Mag. Uh, if I just bring... Now, let's hope for this is going to work. Uh, oh, no, excuse me a minute. Just have to let me... Uh, keyboard Magazine. Uh, this is basically Michael Jackson's keyboard signature sounds of now and then. And that, that there was just, it's a really interesting article by a chap called, I uh, see, I did write it down, by Michael Bodica, or Bodica. And it's really just a sort of, uh, of the Thriller album, the particular tracks uh, that had signature sounds on them. And I was pleased to see that there were a few old favourites in there. I, mean, I think I've got a couple of videos here which I could probably play. Let me have a look. There's, uh, there's Beat It here, which I think, uh, if I fast forward, I think I can just find it to the beginning. This this one was, let's see. Oh, here we go. It's come. There we go. The digital gong, as they call it. Great groove there, obviously. Mm. Uh, and that was, in fact, uh, apparently it's a chap called Tom Bala played a demo sound that came with his Synclavia, a, literally a factory patch right out of the box. He had a good taste to discover and apply it in exactly the right place at the right time in musical history. Mm-hmm. Part of the producer, Quincy Jones's production strategy was to assemble a team of people who were capable of writing, arranging, producing records in their own right, which is why they got that kind of everything was so well-placed. Mm. Uh, and I, I did in particular enjoy. There's also uh, CS80 on Human Nature string part. There's another one of my favourites here, which I'm going to try and find, uh, because it's it's got ah yeah, PYT, pretty young thing. Oh, That rather classic, um, cheesy, shall we say, <laughs> lead line yeah. is the good old Jupiter 6, which you may be able to see in the background there. Not that very Jupiter 6, because if it was, I'd, I'd be selling it for a fortune. <laughs> but uh, that was that was also used uh, in it. Uh, and it was uh, it was a Jupiter 6 patch, uh, and it was doubled uh, with a sequential circuits Profit 5. You can sort of hear a wobble between the top two notes. And also the basses on Thriller, obviously... Um, Mini Moog, lots of lots of Mini Moog there, but the, the thing that, that I mean, really, we can we can wax lyrical about a lot of this. But the thing was, I was thinking was, what does it take to make a good signature sound? What is a signature sound? Is it is it pure? Is it the hook? Is it the sound? You know, what is it that actually? Because it doesn't have to be a synth. Obviously, it can be any number of things. Wow. What do you think? The thing that I mean, I was thinking about signature sounds and just thinking about the. Sh- how do you say it now? Shakuhachi, is it? Ah, uh, the Shakuhachi. <laughs> was on, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was, uh, and I think that was part of the one of the original sounds of the Emulator 2, Oof, I think it yeah. was, was it? And, or um, Fairlight, I can't oh, remember which. Um, I think it's, yeah, I think I'm pretty sure it's the Emulator because um, I've got I've got the, the samples on my Alesis Fusion and uh, uh, and like that sound straight away, you know, I mean... Um, if there was ever a record that that sound was made for, yeah. it was Sledgehammer, wasn't well, it? Well, really? Sledgehammer, and uh, but also uh, Dire Straits. Uh, is it Ride, Acro- Ride Across the River? And um, uh, numerous other songs. And that that sound is. Uh, I mean, it's a signature sound, but a signature sound used by lots of people. So, um, it's uh, yeah, definitely a sound that is uh, has been overused. And I think interestingly, though. You know that was part of the original sound set, and maybe they think there was only six sounds or something people got when they first took. <laughs> no wonder we heard it everywhere. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Um, there's a great orchestra, orchestral sample as well, which is was, it that, the stab thing? Uh, no, it's more like a sustained string thing. I know Christians used it on uh, Forgotten Town, I think it was. Um, uh, very distinctive kind of orchestral. Which is a lovely sound, actually. Um, but and that's crept up loads of places. Again, one of the original six sounds. Um, but I mean, th- talking. I forgot about the shaku actually there. But that was the thing about that was is is the timing of the phrasing just fitted mm. so perfectly yeah. with the sledgehammer groove. I, I wasn't yeah. aware it was on any other records. Well, uh, it, it, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's manipulated though, isn't it? On the on the sledgehammer one, it's it's sort of like he plays like a little. Uh, it plays like a little riff, so it, it, it's actually playing the sample across a bunch of notes. It's not the sample ah, in its pure sense. Is that sense. some sort of special mode that just? Uh, no, she- no. I think it's just literally just if you just play the phrase. I mean, I've I've, uh, cause I've got that sample, so I've actually learned to play the, ah, the right, phrase. Okay. Um, oh, lots of things in the chat room. Oh yeah, Mad uh, Doctor's on form. He's in cut and paste <laughs> frenzy. Uh, he says the bamboo flute sound is re- is readily identifical by a sudden upward pitch at the end of the note. Uh, your sledgehammer. Yeah. Yellowstone Park from Than Tangerine Green, Love is Stronger Than Pride from Sade, Wake Up, Stop Dream, Wang Chuck. Bloody hell, I didn't realise there were quite so many. <laughs> I wonder if uh, PG was first or whether he was just first to have the biggest hit. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, you know, you hear it and you think Sledgehammer. So in terms of signature sound, he definitely... He got the brand. He got the brand on it, yeah. Um, but and th- there are so many, though, aren't there? I mean, there's obviously all the orchestral hits, mm-hmm. uh, all of that kind of stuff that we hear... Well, that was everywhere, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was—it was—it was, it was an absolute essential part of any breakdown. Or if you had to extend the song because you hadn't written a, a longer middle <laughs> section, you just have to kind of go into some gated drums yep. and some stabs. Yep. And that would be enough. <laughs> yeah. Orc Five, apparently, John Van Eaton says in the chat room, uh, uh, was the was was what it was. Okay. Um, it's like universe. On the M1, it's, it's the first patch, isn't it? Oh, is it the first patch when you boot up or something? Universal Bamboo Trem. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I kept hearing that so many times. Uh, but when you're saying signature sound, are you talking about a particular artist's signature sound or a I synthesizer's signature I don't know, really. I mean, either. Sound? You know, what is it that kind mm-hmm. of makes it? You know, do you hear something and just go, ooh, that's... Because, I mean, we can mm-hmm. all get good-sounding sounds out of synthesizers or guitars or whatever. Right. But what makes it a signature? Is it, does it have to be exposed? I mean, what do you think is the kind of key ingredient? Well, I guess it's, talking back about the 1980s, is certainly with, like, um, when we're talking about the Synclavier or the, um, the emulator or uh, Fairlight, etc., is those sounds were just, I guess, they were completely fresh. They'd never been heard before. That That whole, you know, that particular thing would have made... Coming out of the radio, we would have been like, ooh, what's that? Now it's, I guess we're so bombarded with stuff, it's maybe harder for a signature sound to kind of... Uh... It's a familiar friend, it's like the, 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 you know, the Amen break, or the, as uh, Jim, <laughs> yeah. Jimmy says in the chat room, the Ah, oh, yeah sample. <laughs> I'd like to say that was uh, Timmy Mallet, uh, itsy witsy teeny weeny polka dot bikini that was one of the records that kept me off the number of one spot in that particular. Oh, you're kidding! <laughs> but you know, oh, and gosh. that and Teenage Ninja Mutant Turtles. So you'll probably be pleased to know then that in, in Bristol at the moment there's all these um, gorillas, like um, like models of gorillas. They did it in Bath. I oh, think. with the pigs, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but there's all these like gorillas dotted around Bristol, and they're all painted by different artists. And Timmy Mallet had actually painted one of the gorillas, and someone went and burned it on fire. <laughs> Look, it wasn't me. Right? <laughs> I, was just I just want to say, where, whatever it happened, I was at home. <laughs> yeah. 
Mac Doctor's coming up with some really great bits of info here. Uh, the big hit sound on S's Owner of Lonely Heart was a sample of Cooling Gang's Celebration. Really? I'm recording here. Um, what article has he found? <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> He's obviously... Uh, Mad Doctor, you, you ha- I've never seen you in the chat room before. You have to be... You yeah. can be like the show researcher, real-time researcher. <laughs> Fantastic. Have a special, you can have a special... <laughs> Something or rather, I'm not sure what. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I mean, there's there's just such a lot of signature sounds when you start exploring, mm-hmm. and I mean, I, I think actually is down to it's down to the riff and the timing and the exposure of it, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of because we've all you know the funky drummer for a long time because it's also also come down to particularly breaks as well and that thing which is is not so musical but gives a certain gritty feel or a certain atmosphere to a track just by using that one kind of thing. Yeah. Howie says in the chat room, uh, when samplers arrived, it was the 100% reproducibility. That's not hard. That's not easy to say quickly. (laughs) That made the sound signature. Yeah, that's a very good point. Gated 80s drums, yes, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I suppose that's the thing now. Because they they were signature to begin with, but they were hard for anybody else to make, so you couldn't emulate yeah, them. Very and in some, and in some respects, I mean, I don't know whether you've uh, you've have worked on any records that you had something to do with, and you've looked on Spotify for them. And there are all these kind of karaoke versions where they've emulated or attempted yeah. to emulate, you know, the sound of that record. And that's quite an interesting thing. Yeah. Uh, sadly, in my case, they mostly nail it absolutely spot on because <laughs> it's, so it's so uncomplicated. But. Um, some, you know, now it's much easier. We've got much more of a palette, obviously, to, mm-hmm. to emulate that kind of stuff. But does that mean that we come up with it? Because, you know, the, uh, particularly in the sort of trance and dance world, you know, we've got this sort of pitsy, the super saw, yeah. the hoover sound. <laughs> all of that kind of stuff is really sort of uh, opened up perhaps more signature sounds. But I suppose, um, really, we should say um, a big thank you to one of our sponsors. And, of course, uh, Yamaha have been a long-time sponsor of the show. If you're watching in video, you'll know you'll probably be familiar with the beautiful views of the Yamaha N12 uh, hybrid digital analog mixer there. Uh, essentially, it's an analog mixer with a Firewire audio interface built in. It's got characterized N mic preamp, uh, which is specially built, uh, and it's also available in some of the Steinberg interfaces, which I know PJ, who's a regular contributor of the show, said sounded absolutely amazing when they A-B'd it to a couple of other high-end preamps. Uh, We've got Sweet Spot Morphing Compressor, Advanced Integration with Cubase, Hi-Z Input for Directed Guitar or Bass Recording, Wide Range Musical EQ, High Resolution RevX Reverb, Fully Integrated Pro Level Monitoring Suite, Orc Sense for Artist Monitoring and External Processing, Dry or Wet Monitoring Control, and the audio interface is 24-bit 96K. So what Yamaha would like you to do is if you head over to YamahaSynth.com or Yamaha Download, Check out the Pulse stores if you're in the UK, which are kind of like Yamaha stores within a store where you have a sort of very specific Yamaha area and it allows you to check out Yamaha gear. And they say, you know, run a mic down it, run some tunes down it, just listen to the EQ and the mic preamps and the compressor and see what it could do for you. And then if you like it, obviously buy it. And when you do, just tell them somehow that we sent you because uh, (laughs) then we'll get the kudos and they'll continue to to be marvellous sponsors for the show. So head over to YamahaSynth.com, YamahaDownload.com, YamahaProAudio.com. They're all places where you can get to look at the N-series mixers. Uh, And once again, we thank them for their continued sponsorship of the show. I saw. I was looking at one of those actually uh, the other day, um, and it's got really great build quality. And I think that you know, with something like that, that's a significant part of your studio. Um, build quality is everything, really. I think you know. Well, they do. Yeah, they do. I mean, this um, you know, this this board here that I've got, the DM one 
hundred. Uh, DM one thousand. If I move the camera, you'll be able to see my trusty board by me. That's what runs the show. Uh, all the mics and the various delay feeds to the video and what have you. The build quality of that is amazing. I mean, in fact, you can see that it's got. A bit, it's been a bit battered because it was actually on tour for a long time, and it got. Uh, obviously taken a bit of a beating, been around the world, and it's still absolutely fine. So that is, there is something to be said for uh, build quality, definitely. Yeah. Uh, right, and let's see, what have we got next? <laughs> Jim Joe Jimmy is uh, very impressed with the way that you managed to get that into the uh, into the show with a straight face. Well, I, I was being genuine, actually, because I was looking at one and I was impressed, and I was actually thinking, hmm. So, yes, so maybe all these being witness to these adverts... Yeah, it's subliminal. <laughs> Eventually, we will sell like, you know, several hundred of them in one go. Everybody will just suddenly go, hold on a minute. I need a mixer. <laughs> right, so let's have a look at our next topic. Right, which I believe... Uh, oh, I've got to get this right. Oh, no, I've got to... Next topic is... Ah, this is the uh, Cinevibes Turbulence Synthesizer. Now, if I just start playing... I, can, I can think I can play the audio, so we should get a little bit of examples with it let me just see if i can get that going i learned to preload it this time so this is uh, the cinevibes turbulence it's a modular wave shape sequencer that's it there it's available for audio units i believe only uh 64 bit savvy uh sequencer with up to 32 steps uh swing and speed wave shape matrix with Definite high definition waveforms. It's very prodigy, that isn't it? <laughs> um, at its core, it employs wave shaping algorithms that drastically transform the input signal. And I think, I, but I believe it is actually a proper plugin. It's not core based or anything like that. It's not scripted. So, did you get a chance to check this out, Gaz? I mean, is this the sort of thing that you might find a space for? Um, well, I mean, it is. It is just audio units, isn't it? As you just mentioned. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I mean, I do use Mac, so that's fine. Uh, I noticed, though, it's interesting, isn't it? There's definitely prices of things are coming down, aren't they? Because that's what's that, thirty nine dollars, thirty nine bucks. Yeah, jeez, so, that's cheap, isn't it? Yeah, so it sort of makes you wonder, you know, if if the app store and just sort of, the, you know, if like the price of software now is changing, is kind of coming down. Maybe people don't expect to, you know. You know, because maybe something like that, because it's really well feat. It, it sounds great. It's got plenty of features. Perhaps that would have been, uh, you know, over a hundred bucks. Maybe sort of. it could be right. Actually, that's an interesting yeah. point you made because the App Store is good for apps, but I don't know whether you know the simplicity and the ease of, with which you can mm. you know, download and install stuff yeah. with a plugin. It's not quite the same thing. I don't know yeah. if the App Store allows you to have that. Let me say, if you click and buy, it puts it where it needs to go. Do you uh, know if that's the... I suppose it would download the installer, but I'm not sure. Yeah. I've not purchased anything via the App Store, so I don't know what the experience uh, is like. Yeah, well, I've, I've purchased quite a few things, and it's, it's, it's nice in as much as sort of it'll install straight... It, it will install... Um, I'm just trying to think now. If I, I don't think, no, I haven't done any plugins. Yeah. So I wonder if it's possible because it might not yeah. meet the kind of stringent uh, uh, installer stuff mm. that, I don't, that the App Store requires you to have. I don't know. Yeah, I guess my, my point, though, I suppose, was, though, I wonder whether, you know, when you sort of see things in the App Store, whether that does actually give a different perspective for people on what they would expect to pay for software i mean it's interesting that, that a lot of the kind of prime products that apple have been selling now in the app store are significantly cheaper than what they used to be like i mean we i've mentioned this before haven't we with 
with uh, products like the Final Cut, for instance. Yeah. You know, you buy it through the app store and it's like a couple of hundred bucks or something, isn't it? As opposed to 700 or whatever. Yeah, it was. well, the, uh, yeah, it was a lot of money, wasn't it? I, I, sorry, I know we're going off topic there. I, I, it was, I was wondering because I looked up the price afterwards and I was genuinely surprised and thought, oh, yeah, that's, that's very interesting. Uh, I, I haven't actually tried it physically yet, though. Um, no, I might try and download the demo. I mean, I haven't mm. bought any AUs for a little while. I think mm-hmm. the last one I bought, uh, or the one I obviously the last one I tried was the Imposca Two, but mm-hmm. the one before that was the Sinplant. Um, Sinplant, yeah, Sinplant, which I really, really like. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's an amazing sounding thing. But again, it's one of these things. Though I was looking at it, I was thinking this is great. And I mean, you know, if this was the only piece of software that you had, synthesizer software, you could do great stuff with. And I wonder. You know, when we've got so many pieces of software, do we ever really get to sort of get the most out of them? Because something else comes along and then we sort <laughs> of uh, shift our allegiances over to that. Um, I mean, I've tried to just stick with the Omnisphere over the last couple of years as, um, and generally try to avoid being drawn into other softwares, sort of just so I could just get my workflow yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Efficient. I mean, I think that is a very good point. I mean, do you mm. think that that's, I mean, that is important, particularly if you've got to work every day on it. I mean, mm-hmm. and do you find that that's worked? Not particularly. <laughs> <laughs> what has worked for me, I mean, I've mentioned this before, is that I bought a Roland Gaia for a project I was working on, and that is my go-to synth. Maybe not the best sounding synth, but, I mean, I was just doing something, and I just wanted a little boo sound tiny little sound like that and i went to omnisphere tried to do it in omnisphere and straight away i was trying to think oh what's the best way to go about this i thought what am i doing go straight to the gaia make that little tiny sound in a matter of seconds two or three seconds Mm. it's like "Mm." so i mean obviously that is a, a physical device there and um but you know i workflow is just the most important thing I, for me personally. I think you're right. I mean, I, I think we undervalue, you know, when we start out doing mm-hmm. our thing. I mean, I remember when I was doing a lot of mixes and there was lots of, there were lots of physical instruments to deal with. So you had to yeah. have, you had your samplers, you had your board, you had your effects. Mm-hmm. There were much more delineated sort of areas to the studio which yeah. you had to get right and it all had to be within reach yeah. and within the kind of, you know, the right thing. And I, and I spent ages and ages working on that. And that's why I always found it very hard to go anywhere else because I would have, mm-hmm. I would lose that language that I was, I knew, which yeah. was where everything was. Where everything was. And, and it used to make me feel really insecure. If I, <laughs> yeah. So I really, rarely did go to studios, yeah. which is probably why the mix has never sounded quite as good as they could. <laughs> but, you know, at least I mm-hmm. knew that the creative flow was going to work. Yeah. I, I mean, coming though to this... Uh, um, what it's called again <laughs> uh, it's called uh turbulence. turbulence the interface does look very nice though it does look like it's very very straightforward and you can just more or less understand it looking at it straight away can't you yeah i don't know if there are any other screens actually i should probably mm-hmm. have a look there might be a preferences and a, and a setup it right. might might well be mm-hmm. But it's interesting how workflow. I mean, we we you know we we focused on workflow quite a lot over the years because mm-hmm. it is a very major part of any creative process. Yeah. Because you don't, if anything hampers the creative process, and you're 
You yeah. know, your workflow's wrong. You know, yeah. it's, it's supposed to be, right. have an idea, there we go. I mean, it's interesting. I was talking to Matt Robertson, who is the guy, uh, he's going to be coming out in a podcast I recorded with him last week, I believe, or the week before. Uh, he's the creative director, musical director of the Bjork Biophilia Tour. But he's also an orchestrator. He's worked with uh, Maris de Vries on a lot of records, a lot of films. Uh, also works with, um, who's the, uh, Arnold. Um, uh, David Arnold. David Arnold as well as programming and that side of things. So he's got all these variety of different workflows. And he, what he said is he's just started actually getting modular synths again because he right. knows that if he can get, if he wants a really simple baseline, he can just go very, very quickly, yeah. bang, I've, I've patched it and it's done. Yeah. And it, which is kind of counterintuitive because mm-hmm. then I said, well, of course, doesn't that mean that you then spend the next three hours just refining it and tweaking <laughs> it? <and you> go, <laughs> yeah. He goes, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, he's, yeah. he's quite disciplined when it comes to that. But it, it's down to, it is down to that. Workflow and, is everything. And then that, that ties in again with uh, Flood, doesn't it? With Flood's kind of using the ARP 2600 and the VCS3, things that he knows very well. When he goes to get his sounds, he can get them. Uh, he's not having to sort of, you know, just wonder where things are. And um, But yeah, so it's, it is interesting. I mean, we do... We're incredibly spoiled, aren't we? I mean, if we have a piece of software like Logic, for instance, and you look at um, sculpture within Logic, which is quite impressive. It's a very dense synthesizer, isn't it? Yeah. And I mean, gosh, you know, when, you know, I just don't understand where you went to find the time to really learn just all this stuff. It's, uh, it's quite overwhelming. I mean, and, I mean, personally, I'm not a fan of... Just using presets particularly, and again, I know we've talked about this well, yeah. before. Actually, one thing I did say is I think I was working on, I was just trying to get a very quick drum sound up, and in Logic, using the presets for the channel strips, and that was really effective. I mean, suddenly you just go right. kick, snare, toms, overheads, and it's like, wow, that's, oh, okay. that's a good starting point. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I will say, um, for those of you who might be considering this, uh, I recently upgraded to 10.6.8 on my uh, MacBook on a fresh drive, then I imported all my stuff over to uh, uh, via the migration assistant, and now Logic doesn't work. It, it runs, mm. but it won't let me uh, save mm. or create new projects or save as. It won't do anything. And 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 I've been looking into it, and it seems that there's a, it, it's apparently that isn't you should never do that because you uh. might miss some of the pro app updates, which means that it okay. won't work. So now I have absolutely no idea how I'm going to get Logic working <laughs> again. I've got an album session coming up oh, quite dear. soon, and I might have to revert back to my old drive mm-hmm. and, and regress. I mean, the reason I went up to 10.6.8 was because of the... Uh, if I can see that, the, uh, you might be able to see that just briefly. Oh, no, you can't. Quite. <laughs> the, the lead's not long enough. That's the UAD2 uh, quad that I just reviewed, uh, which I know Rich, uh, Rich, Rich Hilton, one of our uh, long-time um, panellists, uh, swears by it, and I have to say it's pretty damn good. Yeah. I was really impressed by it, really impressed. So um, there is a Logic Nine update. Yes, I know. I'm running the the the, the highest version of the uh, Logic. I'm nine point one point three or point four, whatever it is. It's, it can't upgrade up to date anymore, and it just doesn't work. And it's very frustrating. Uh, let's have a look. This is uh, oh yeah, we'll have a look at this one because this sort of goes to the completely the opposite end of the spectrum with the thirty nine bucks kind of cheap and cheerful or, or certainly affordable. This is something completely different.
That's actually a really, as far as a hypnotising trailer there, that's the trailer for the Sample Logic Rumble plugin, which is uh, it's a collaboration between Sample Logic and System Blue, and it features the legendary DCI world champion Blue Devils, drum and bugle courts, and Scott Johnson, who's one of the most sought-after marching percussion arrangers and clinicians in the world. It's recorded by Leslie Ann Jones at the scoring stage at, S- at Skywalker Sound, and I'm like... What the hell? I mean, this is this is like about as much as a, an old school prog rock album would have cost to make. Surely, I mean, this is completely yeah. the other end of the scale, isn't it? I mean, this is. I mean, it sounded great, and um, I really like that snappy kind of snare mm. sound. I and mean, for film and cinema work, oh, awesome. I mean, it's got to be uh, a, quite an interesting uh, concept. Uh, let's see, what does it come with? It's got. Uh, there was a video where it, where it says it's got over forty screens. At which point, I thought mm, that sounds like perhaps. 38 too many, but I, I, I'm sure it must be very complex. Yeah. I think it's contact scripted as well, as far as I understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, over uh, 1,100 instruments and multis recorded at 88 uh, and 44, or both 24 bits, 6 gigabyte sample library, 4.4 gig via contacts lossless, collection of traditional marching drum instruments, snares, multi tenors, basses, cymbals recorded with multiple round robins, multiple dynamic levels, atmospheric sounds. I mean, it's just, there's a whole ton of it. I mean, part of me thinks, oh, I'd love to give that a go. But the other part of me thinks, who is going to buy that? Is that going to be really for the uh, uh, film scorer, that kind of thing? I mean, because it's an enormous production. I mean, it's a in- very interesting. It's almost like making, you know, the budgets that you have for making um, high-end computer games. Yeah. Will you, be, uh, will you be marching into the store for this one, perhaps? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Although I, I think it is... I, I think it's really... It's impressive. I mean... Um, it would have been more fun to make than use. <laughs> uh, do you get the majorettes in the box? Asked Mac, Mac, Do- Mac Doctor, which is uh, uh, <laughs> excellent. Yeah. I think I might know who Mac Doctor is, actually. I've just had an inkling. I remember I, uh, it might be a, uh, somebody I know. I've just suddenly thought it might be somebody called Tim. Perhaps he can uh, <laughs> verify. Anyway, um, I don't know, but do you, do you think there's there's sort of room? I'm guessing this is aimed at people in Hollywood who yeah. who are, are fighting for every sort mm-hmm. of score. They've you know three hundred bucks is probably nothing. No, really, no. To, to kind of to drop on on keeping ahead of the game, right? Sure. Um, uh, yeah, and I think it's interesting, isn't it, that uh, that recording big live performance kind of thing of those drums. Um, you can't really get those sounds. You couldn't really synthesize those sounds. You know, they're. Uh, you know, if you've ever experienced those sounds for real, they're it's like an overwhelming thing. I'm actually thinking of the Japanese drummers that I saw once. Um, uh, the Ko- is it Kodo drummers? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know this is a different drumming thing, but but just the, the the sheer bigness of the sound. You know, I guess that's what they're trying to. Really? Well, we've ta- we've have talked about that before, haven't we? It's yeah. like you know some things you, you know. It's like when we talked about the the firework thing. You can't yeah. capture the the air. I mean, but, no. but it, it. I mean, it sounds like it'd be great fun to use. But obviously, I mean, you know, I'm thinking car chases and all of those booms and you know, mm. it's like every single scene cut yeah. in a dramatic film or car yeah. chase now has like a kind of massive yeah. door slam through yeah. tons of reverb. I mean, it's mm. that, those are the sounds you need. Just got to bring the subs in. <laughs> yeah, but it's also like. We were talking how lots and lots of content providers are using contact, and this is another one to sort of back up that as well, isn't it? Sort of that contact really is just 
you know, it seems that everything is coming out now is coming out in contact sort of mode. I thought we'd already gone there. I mean, because yeah. maybe there's been a change in the tiering, you know, so you get mm. the, the maybe the, the serious people who are, pro, you know, producing sample libraries of this mm-hmm. caliber and this expense are beginning to they're getting a better deal or getting more support or something. There yeah. must be a reason for it because, I mean, or, or maybe they're getting scripting help or something. I'm not really sure because there's been yeah. – you're right. There's a lot yeah. more – I mean, it usually mm. signifies a change in policy or a change in technology, doesn't it, when you start to see more of these kind of things? Well, I suppose, you know, you've got no uh, or very low overheads in terms of software development then, so you just put your whole kind of work into the actual content creation. Because um, I know that uh, East-West – brought out their play engine and uh i've not really liked it personally right um and would always go running towards contact really well i i'm I'm guessing i know that there were problems with contact maybe those problems have been made to go away now it's gone Mm. you know and so people are are, are prepared not to have to write their own engines Uh, speaking of which uh i think i should quickly uh mention uh another one of our show sponsors uh who are mac pro video uh Mac Pro Video provide training videos on a multitude of different software, lots and lots of audio titles. We've got Logic, we've got Cubase, we've got Pro Tools, we've got GarageBand, we've got plugins like Isotope, Stutter Edit, uh, Melodyne, Ableton. There's just a, a whole heap of them. And I don't know how many hours there are on this site, but there are an awful lot. I've been checking some of them out, and I've, I've really found them quite useful, actually, particularly... What was the one I was looking at the other day? It was some really deep Logic macro scripting, which I didn't even... Uh, I, didn't, I knew nothing about it. But anyway... What we'd like to do is uh, we're offering a 20% discount uh, based on, if you come through us, uh, on any of the downloaded tutorials. Uh, you can either join as a subscription and get access to all of them, or you could just buy them as one-offs. And this is kind of how we can offer you an extra 20% discount. So all you have to do uh, to get the macprovideo.com discount is go to sonicstate.com forward slash MPV. Everything else will be handled automatically, and your discount will be applied. So... Uh, I should just want to say I thoroughly recommend you try it out. There's so much stuff there, and there's more stuff being added all the time. So don't forget sonicstate.com forward slash MPV if you want to save 20% on any of the Mac Pro Video tutorials. Yes. This is fab, isn't it? This is uh, uh, this just takes you back. Uh, yeah. Let me see. I think we'll do both of these trailers because they're just so fantastic. <laughs> Let's see. Trailer number one. With a built-in computer, Noose and Sonic's drums means you can play like a pro, even if you've never played before. And now, we've also got this one, which is fab. This is Buddy Rich, can you believe it? Amazing. Actually, what that reminded me of was a little bit was that Port's Head track, Machine Gun. Yeah. Um, which uses that sort of sound to a very good effect. Yeah. 
but yeah, that was the Mattel Sonics, uh, which have come up a couple of times actually recently because there's uh, a library. I think, um, oh, who was it now? It was. Uh, uh, oh, I've, I, I did put it in the show notes, but I completely there is a, a Sonic State news item somewhere, which basically uh, it's a company who've just made an Ableton live rack sampling the Mattel Sonic drums. Uh-huh. But what I really liked about this was it sort of reminded me because this was when drum machines were on the rise, yeah. And you know they were actually these things were advertised on television. I mean, I can't imagine yeah. any musical product being advertised on television these days. Well, I've. I mean, I distinctly remember that because that uh, not so much the advert, but I remember it being shown on um, this UK TV Saturday morning children's show called, uh, I think it was on either Swap Shop. I think it must have been Swap Shop, actually. Um, and they shown it on that and, and like... And they were saying it's the first ever sort of drum machine. I don't... Obviously, we know no, that's not... Of course not, it's not. Of course it's not, but I mean... Um, I was. It was for me anyway. It was the first time I'd ever heard the word, the words "drum machine." So it was a Synsonic, and I've always wanted one. As a, a you know, because um, that that really I remember it vividly. I mean, I must have been about ten or something. Um, so, so I was really pleased to see this. Yeah, and I, I just saw I, that because memory. basically it was uh, it was a it was. Um, a comment on the uh, on the on the original story, which was from uh, I don't like music, uh, and he basically said uh, uh, he he put this link in there, which was a, a great one, and and also um, the the press release actually suggested that Kraftwerk used them, which is absolutely not true. <laughs> it was, I, I'm I'm sorry that got through, but I did notice that they didn't no they yeah. uh, they didn't use them. Um, they they used something that looked like them, which yeah. they built themselves. Yeah. Uh, and triggered, I think it was a, it triggered various synth modules or whatever, because they were very much ones for making their own things. Yeah. But I just thought it was um, <laughs> KSR80 in the chat room, a fabulous bit of information that they used pressure mats from alarm systems. Is that um, Kraftwerk or the Mattel Sonics? <laughs> I'm guessing maybe this Mattel Sonics, because that would be for mass production. Because it was Mattel who made the Optigon, wasn't it? I think it was. There's actually a whole website here dedicated to Mattel Sonic drums, which I'm just going to uh, run up here. These, this uh, circuit bending them and uh, modifications. Uh, apparently, you could. They had a DIN switch with it that allowed you to uh, attach a bass drum trigger and a hi hat uh, accent. Uh, here we go: bass drum line, accent line, uh, foot switch, and sync, uh, and sync, uh, sync pulse outputs. Uh, which you could, if you're very lucky enough, you can get hold of. I know that uh, in the chat room, um, not this week, but Failed Muso, who's been in there a couple of times, he has in fact got a Mattel Sonic, and I found a YouTube video of him playing his very own testing. He said he still had it in the... Uh, uh, in the oh, Afro, D- Afro DJ Mac is here. Oh, it is Afro DJ Mac. <laughs> FM says in the chat room. I thought it was somebody else. Free Mattel Sonic's kit. Let's just have a look. I'll quickly check that out. Uh, blah 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 blah. Oh, more information. Mattel Sonics. I thought it was. Well, maybe it is Afro DJ Matt. It doesn't look like. It. Anyway, beside <laughs> the point, it seems to have been sort of come. The zeitgeist has come round for Mattel, <laughs> and what's so fantastic is it's got this sort of wonderful, um, the, these wonderful videos for to support it. I mean, but at the same time, we're in a situation now where. The App Store, because of the, the proliferation of musical uh, applications 
for iPad and iPhone and all that thing, which has got an enormous market penetration, as we yeah. know. We always going on about it endlessly, much to the chagrin of our chat room. <laughs> but ultimately, are we heading towards maybe another era where musical applications or musical software, at least, gets the same sort of TLC as things like Mattel Synsonics? Hmm. Interesting. I mean, but I wonder, you know, in like 30 years' time, are we going to be sort of talking about these little apps with any sort of fondness? Um, Possibly some. <laughs> that's a good question. I yeah. mean, uh, I'm trying to think if I'm if I'm talking if I, well, can you think of are you thinking of any particular say plugins or new apps now with particular fondness? Because we, we you know we've had these for ten or fifteen years. Yeah, I mean, before being killed off by native instruments seems uh, something that I, I can imagine that one being remembered fondly when it's uh, incompatible with everything right. <laughs> the the Hammond uh, model. Um, Absinthe, is that still going? Yeah, Absinthe's still going. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I mean, it's... That sounds like a no, really. Yeah, I think... Because we can't think of anything. Uh, Nick, my chat room vanished. Oh, did it? Yeah. I think you just... <laughs> I didn't touch... Oh, it might have just crashed. Yeah, I'm I just, think it did crash. Just relaunch. Oh, okay. It should be back again. Yeah. <laughs> so just a bit of tech support there. Thank you very much. Um... You know, talking, gosh, I know I'm getting a bit boring talking about apps because I am so new to having an iPhone after only having it a month or so um, and being completely overwhelmed still with Nano Studio. Nano Studio. Uh, I can imagine that one being a bit of a yeah. future, being like a being certain... A classic, do you think? You know, well, or certainly being a, um, uh, a watermark, you know, um, or... or well, some of them have a longevity. I mean, in the chat room, uh, as your head is saying, uh, Retro AS1, which I think was one of the first software since, uh, Reactor, Absinthe, Modern Classics. Hey, Rebirth, I guess. I mean, we were all absolutely astonished with Rebirth when that, when that came out and was a classic of a classic. <laughs> yep. Absolutely, Rebirth. Getting a lot of plus ones for that in the chat room, for sure. <laughs> Holy move triggered by Angry Birds. <laughs> I beg your pardon. <laughs> Is that a classic? I've not heard of that one. So, um, Giga Studio. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. I think Giga Studio could be seen as a classic because a lot of people are still using it, and, and yeah. I think um, there are still people who are using similar systems. I mean, who, or certainly composers who are only just moving over to alternatives mm. and still using the PC as yeah. another thing. I mean, I, I was talking to again Matt Robertson. It's all come up in the interview. Uh, because he used to, he was a big Giga Studio user. Used to mm. use it all the time, and he's gradually moved all over to Contact just because yeah. it makes his system more portable. As he knows now, yeah. all the work he gets, you know, a lot of it he has to travel. And if he goes there and can't do what somebody wants because he hasn't got his Mac Pro and his la da da and all mm. that with him, then he's kind of missing a trick. So yeah. uh, that sort of stuff is going out the window a bit. Apart from these kind of the gen- I call them the gentleman composers who have <laughs> these fabulous relationship with a number of producers who've worked their way up through the kind of the uh, advertising. Uh, to features now to films and to big drama things who now have these relationships with these guys who uh, creative both creatively and understand each other and they've got these sort of they often get the gig because they're basically they know what they're talking about they understand each other and these people have now got more money to throw around so these uh, a couple of chaps i work for are very very much in that in that sort of genre and it's mm-hmm. a great i'm imagine it's a great place to be if you've yeah. got enough producer clients to uh, to keep you going gosh Ah, oh, Howie says uh, Delay Lama. Oh, definitely. What a great... That what, was great, oh, wasn't it? Wonderful, yeah. Absolutely brilliant. 
Right, uh, let's have a look. Gosh, I, I didn't realise this, but I seem to have uh, talked myself out of topics. I thought that would actually... <laughs> I thought I'd have enough. I did actually struggle this week a little bit. But, Reaper, uh, 4, but, Reaper 4, Reaper 4. Reaper uh, 4. Well, I don't know much about it, but uh, we I have downloaded Reaper 4. Reaper 4 yeah. is available now. And, yeah, finally. Uh, I, I updated the other day because I wanted to sort of... I wanted to put some drum tracks together right. in it for... Uh, Using with Universal Audio, and I, I, I thought okay. there might be easy. You know, the tutorials I'd found about creating sends and and also um, what was the other thing? It was side chaining. Yes, uh, I needed. I downloaded four, and it all worked fine. In fact, those of you who listened to the show last week, the edited version, I now have a little teaser at the beginning mm-hmm. with a duct audio bed oh. underneath it, where I say thank you to our sponsors coming up in the show, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Right, and uh, that's all done with uh, a ducking. With with ducking and um, the uh, in Reaper, mm-hmm. sorry, Gaz, tell us about you. <laughs> tell us about Reaper Four quickly. Well, okay, quickly. Um, well, yeah, because it's been for people who've been following the sort of pre-releases of it. It's um, it's been about six months later than we thought it was going to be, really, or maybe five months later. So it's oh, hardly any time at all, <laughs> then, really. <laughs> uh, so it's quite nice that it's now officially available. Um, uh, for the people who are not familiar with Reaper, Reaper's great in that it's a it's it's a very cheap door in terms of uh, cost and also in terms of sort of uh, how much space it takes up. It's a very tiny little piece of software, really. I think the the download is about sort of nine megabytes or something. It expands to around twenty five megabytes or something. So so it, it's great for people without a lot of space, um, but also. Um, and it's cheap to buy as well. They've got like a licensing um, model, which I haven't really seen anywhere else, which is, uh, I think it's $60 to buy the discounted license or $225 to buy the full license. But when you look at kind of the, um, what that license is, you have, to be, you have to have a turnover. You have to be making a turnover over, over $20,000 a year with, with that software. Ah, well, that'll be me then. <laughs> That's all right. I was a bit worried about that because I thought, do I yeah. need to buy because we're commercial? No. But it's actually, no. we you make no still... money out of the podcast right. whatsoever. Yeah. And that's so, pretty much all I use. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, so $60, um, uh, you know, is with, compared to other ones is, you know, it's a tiny amount of money, really. And and it's really cool because if you buy it now, you'll also get, uh, from if you buy it in Reaper 4 now, that license will carry you right through to the end of Reaper 5, version 5 point whatever no, it gets 5. to. 5.99, I 5.99, yeah. So, um, so it's a very fair price, uh, I think. Um, so what's, what's happened in version 4, then? What's the kind of the big, the big changes? Because, I mean, I've been using it, uh, as I've said before, to edit the podcast yeah. on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got all the things I need. It's very familiar to me because it's based on the based sort of Sony Vegas, Vegas, which I use for video editing, yeah. and it means that... The big difference for that is, for those of you who don't know, and, and I think this is a big difference between multiple doors, is on um, on Logic, for instance, which is my uh, sort of professional music choice door, to move around on the timeline, you have to click at the top mm-hmm. and move the cursor or rewind and fast forward. Yeah. Whereas in Reaper and mm-hmm. in Vegas, you click actually on, on. on the arrange area and yeah. the cursor moves to that point. And it doesn't sound like much, but it makes mm, a really big difference in terms of operational workflow. And that's kind of the big change for me. And that's why I like it. Yeah. And, and actually, interestingly, Reaper 4, one of the big kind of, um, one of the big new functions is um, the extent of the mouse modifier um, uh, editability or uh, customization, I should say. Uh, what they say with Reaper is they they they, they call it more of an evolutionary step. Uh, sorry, rather not even. Um, 
evolutionary rather than revolutionary. So it's not like suddenly Reaper 4 compared to Reaper 3 is humongously different. It's actually very similar. I mean, there's, cosmetically, it's a bit different. But it's so themable. You can, yeah, you can make it look like it used to. You can make it look like it used to, or indeed you can make it look like any other uh, app out there, really. And uh, one of the other big ones changes is, is this thing called Walter, which is a really appeals to the people who like to kind of create the, the skins for it. Um, but what it means is it gives you more functionality for changing the look of it, uh, which is interesting for us because we can kind of download um, like a Pro Tools skin and we can right. download well, it a, makes a it logic sort of seem skin. seem more familiar more quickly. Yeah, but I mean, that's actually quite cool because you can also download menu sets, which which kind of give the menus which can rearrange all the kind of options to be in the same place as like maybe oh, Logic or Cubase. And then you can do the key sets as well to work like that. So you can actually kind of make it work like, like your favourite I mean, door. I mean, in terms of under the hood, though, mm-hmm. I, I, I did see a couple of bullet points. I, I, yeah. We didn't really prep for this, but I know okay. you know a lot about it. Um, Hasn't it provided like pitch enveloping or warping for audio now? Yeah, yeah, so pitch envelopes, um, which, you know, I think have been in other software for a while. I mean, you know, it's playing catch up in some areas, but then in other areas, I think it's kind of, uh, it's streets ahead. Um, well, the routing thing I really like, and yeah. what I particularly like about the routing is you have your mixer page, yeah. and you could just grab an I.O. and drop it on another, another one. Track. So if you've got like an effects bus, you just, mm-hmm. anything can go to it. And yeah, got, and I mean, I think for anyone who's not familiar with Reaper at all, I think that's the kind of the great thing about Reaper. There's only one track. You create a track, and you don't have to sort of, like with Cubase, I mean, you can choose a mono track, a stereo track, a MIDI track, a group track, an F- yeah. effects return track. Reaper, it doesn't matter, does it? No, no, basically, you know, and in fact, you can have MIDI data and audio data on the same track, which is quite odd. You know, it takes a little bit of getting your head around a little bit. I, I would say for people who, I mean, one of the great things is that you can just download it and use it effectively for free. You get a nag screen telling you to... Uh, to buy it like a countdown from you know we have to wait for a countdown from five or so five four three two one and then you're in uh and so after th- you're allowed to use it i think for 30 days and after 30 days you're expected to buy it but you can continue to use it unexpiring uncrippled mm. for perpetuity really so well the the, the one thing that i um, this is something that i've only recently discovered i just downloaded and installed touch os Right. on the iPad uh-huh. and I integrated that with Logic and it was amazing it's like having it's like having the Lemur you know it's the same Brilliant. it's the, it's the, it's exactly the same sort of uh, integration it's like a sort of virtual mm-hmm. backing control it uses OSC right. and the only problem I found with uh, Reaper is the control surface integration isn't there no, and yeah. that, I, I was sort of hoping that the OSC was going to be in on this version because right. I, I thought maybe I could just use yeah. it with that that would be good yeah, but it's not I, yeah I mean it, it, in certain areas it definitely uh, doesn't quite have the support um but I think it's one of these pieces of software which, the way it's growing, I think it's only a matter of time before things are kind of... Uh, I know that's not sure for, for if you want to do stuff straight away. But um, one of the things... I mean, I've, I've been like a long-time Cubase user. Uh, I've used it for like nearly 20 years. So to wean myself off Cubase, um, uh, you know, I've kind of moved... I, mean, I do most of the things now. I do... Kind of when Reefer, I use Ableton Live as well, but because um, that's its own unique thing. But um, uh, pretty much most things I do, I use Reefer, and it runs really, really well. Um, but I think 
because you can download it and try it for free and you know and kind of keep it installed i think you know everybody should really have a go at it and just well, you know maybe. yeah i mean the other thing that's quite cool about it is it runs audio units plugins and vsts for sure uh and that's kind of that yeah. that's really handy yeah, yeah. and i don't, i mean because so, in some instances the vst or the mm -hmm. au you know you might want to run whichever i don't know why that would be mm -hmm. but it, it doesn't seem to have like you say it doesn't have much of a footprint and yeah. I, I find for I'm, I'm trying to use it in more review stuff at the moment just so I can get more of a feel for it yeah I still haven't really got my head around no. the MIDI side it doesn't kind of quite feel as immediate yeah, it's uh, big big improvements with Reaper 4 with MIDI the uh, the MIDI it looks a lot nicer is is kind of um, has a lot more functionality now it, it, that has definitely been lagging behind um, but uh, like when I do I mean, I, I do lots of kind of live uh, recording in the field sort of thing, taking out um, a mobile rig. Yeah. And, uh, and Reaper in those kind of situations is unbeatable, absolutely unbeatable. And I think part of the reason for that is because I can just create it. I can, I can set it up to be exactly what I want it to be. It, it, it's, it's so customizable and I... Uh, and I can do it so fast and just um, when I use something like logic, I always feel that it's so kind of I mean, it's obviously. But isn't that just down to do down, uh, down in some respects to familiarity? Uh, yes. And yes. And also I, I agree. But also the fact that. Um, oh, um, there's there's lots and lots of nice things uh, I try to think of uh, where if you, you know, if you have every track selected then, you know, you adjust a parameter and it'll adjust it on all the tracks that are selected. That's something that Ableton Live has had, I think, since version 8. Uh, I, I don't think you can do that on Logic. Um, so, for instance, select a bunch of tracks and then arm them and then all the tracks are armed. Or, oh, that's useful. You know, little things like that. So, um, you know, and these things are kind of accumulative, really. So uh, uh, the way that you can create um, track templates is just really wonderful. So, um, for instance, I was working on an album recently, and I had to record uh, viola, cello, and and violin in uh, separately. And I had, like, stereo mics. It was in a really uh, big space. So I had a pair of stereo mics high up in the room. I also had a, a two close mics, a, a ribbon mic and a condenser mic. And... For every track I was going to, I'd, once I'd created that, uh, uh, once I'd set it up once, I just saved that as like a viola track. Um, and you bring new track, in. viola, all the all the all the all the tracks all already rooted, named, you right. know, and just little things like that. It just saves you. I mean, it might take you sort of three or four minutes to do. Right. And, it, um, uh, you know, if you're having to do that on a per track basis, once it's set up, it just you just do it in, you know, it's a tenth of a second or something. And so it's an accumulative thing. So I find it quite hard to maybe sort of just pinpoint exactly why it is. Right. But, uh, and it's stable as well. Yeah, I must admit, I've never had uh, a crash or anything. Yeah. And uh, anything go wrong. Yeah. I mean, what tends to happen usually is if something's, mm -hmm causing problems it's just disabled and you've yeah. got to figure out why it is so yeah. it's a different you know it doesn't kind of yeah. break anything but it's available for mac pc it's and it. linux as well yeah it is yeah now that's a really interesting yeah. concept i, I don't mm -hmm. know are, are all the all the versions parity or are they a bit different pretty much i think there's a few things of pc the pc's got a few extra things which um 
uh, because the, the the person who created it is a guy called Justin Frankel, and he created Winamp, and that was that's. Uh, and I recommend people having a look at his story because he's a very interesting guy. Um, and one of the things about Winamps was the visualizations, you know, so you could kind of run sort of fancy kind of trippy graphics when you listen to your music. And the PC version has got visualizations built in, so you can actually get your visualizer up when you're working on your mixes, which is, you know, sounds like a trivial thing. It's actually quite nice, you know. Right, sort of, uh, okay. So you've got something to look at rather than watching the timeline. Um, uh, actually, to be honest, I use a screensaver on the Mac for that purpose. I'm always, I've, I've got it on a hot corner, so whenever I'm doing a playback, I, I, I really try not to watch the timeline. I, I'd just rather watch something that's abstract just so... Oh, that's interesting. Stopping watching the audio. Uh, but what, what are you mixing then? Because if you're not using the screen to mix, are you mixing out onto a, in, into a board? I mean, uh, just playback really, rather than mixing. Right. If I just want to have a listen to what's going on, you know, just to sort of stop watching the timeline. You, you're kind of watching things. When you're watching it, it's affecting the way you hear things strangely, you know, because you sort of... Uh, yeah, I think we covered that before. We have, with, yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember who it was. Was it... Yeah. Uh, I've forgotten who it was. It was it was uh, <laughs> it was Underworld Under- and oh, right. uh, Record or La- I forget which it was. Okay. Just where you just weren't looking. Yeah. So he just it just completely changed. I, f- yeah. I forget now. The no, I think that's I think that's a very very important thing. Um, it's a uh, you know to to be not watching and to watching be listening. The yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. that's a fair point. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a couple of other things in the chat. Um, that's available now, right? Isn't it f- version four? Right? Version four came out last week. Uh, yep. So it's for all, uh, 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 that's for across all, all, all versions, all formats. Yeah. And um, yeah, just another little thing. You can install it onto a USB stick, so you could always have it with you, and you could just plug, and you can run it off that stick. Uh, I think you'd have to have the PC version installed on the. St- I'm not sure. If, I think you'd have to have the multiple versions. In the, in, individually individually installed I'm, I'm actually not sure if if the mac version will run off the stick uh, i don't know if the chat room could help there but um but yeah you know meaning that on your stick you could have all your preferences all your setup exactly as how you wanted it you just plug it into a computer any computer you want and bang there it is You're all your key commands everything just sort of yeah that's kind of nice it's a nice function that's, yeah that's a nice thing mm-hmm. uh, the other thing that's been happening this week certainly uh, in the studio was the universal audio stuff which uh, i think uh, a couple of people wanted to find out a bit more about that i mean if you've got any questions far away i mean the version i was using was uad2 satellite uh, which is the file wire 400 800 version it has uh let me see i might be able to hold it up i just it's that that's caused the problem yeah hold up here it's this this guy which is uh it look it's a bit like it's got four this one's the quad so it's got four shark dsp chips <laughs> it's got uh firewire 800 and 400 a uh, pair of those uh it takes external power and it sounds bloody great i mean the plugins do sound absolutely marvelous i mean it is it seems expensive because I think they do a bundle which is the uh, what is it? It's the Omni, which is <laughs> it's four and a half grand. Uh, so you get the Quad Sharks, and then you get um, and then you get the uh, fifty bundled plugins. And without doubt, almost every well every plugin I've tried so far sound great. The SSL G compressor sounded really sweet. Another one that I would recommend was uh, the. Um, what was it? The uh, oh, I've completely forgotten what it's called. The blooming 
it's the th <laughs> that's terrible, isn't it? It's the SPL um, transient designer. That's why that rocks yeah. because a lot of people have been using that for um, for drums for a long time. I mean, I'm sure more than just drums. And you just you fire that up and you can sculpt the sound of the drums. You can make them smack mm. or woof or boom. It's absolutely amazing. Really, really impressive. Great. I can see that being quite a secret weapon. Actually, right. I've been using that. The, um, Isotopes Alloy has got like a similar function. I don't know if it's as good, but uh, I, I use that a lot um, when I'm working on drums for sort of just making it punch or taking away some. Taking away the. Sometimes work. a snare can have a little bit too so it's much. Be a bit too wacky. Yeah. But the uh, certainly the compressor sound really good. Uh, who else? Oh, uh, uh, want to know whether the Studio A800. The, uh, the, certainly the version I got. Um, Studio 800 came bundled with it, and I think we've just got the basic package. It does, the 800 sounded nice. I put the bass drum through it, and it kind of, woof. I, I mean, to be honest, I haven't got a lot of recorded material to run through it, so I couldn't say, you know, by putting vocals and what have you. But it definitely has a sound you can kind of crunch mm. up. A couple of other things I tried were the, uh, which I really liked, uh, was the, um, the 1176 mm. was really sweet. Mm. And that on a, on a mix that just really brings ah. drums to life. It's incredible, actually, absolutely yeah. incredible. The other thing was uh, there's an EMT two forty, I think it is, uh, or two fifty. That's mm. it, and that sounds really mm, good. The drum, that, I mean, that just sounded brilliant, absolutely brilliant. It's one of the best reverbs I've heard for a long time. Mm. It just kind of went, wow, that sounds really real. Uh, what was the other things I tried? Oh yeah, Boss uh, CE one. <laughs> Which is all over some of the early gold strap, gold frap stuff, or sort of mid mid gold frap stuff, oh, just yeah. for, on the RS five hundred five, all of that stuff, and that sounded great. Um, oh, what, what else? I, I'm plugged into Firewire eight hundred. Uh, it's not plugged into the Firewire four hundred slot. I'm on the eight hundred. I mean, the only thing I did find that the massive passive, I I put a few instances with that. I started. I was. I thought, well, hey, I'll I'll go to town because there's so many DSPs on it. Mm -hmm. I'll stick. Uh, I'll stick one across every drum track, and it didn't like that. It sort of ran out of DSP quite quick. Ah. So some plugins are definitely a bit mm -hmm. more, uh, a bit more heavy. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Can I ask a question? Have you tried rendering anything with it? Do you know no. how fast it renders? No, I didn't actually. Is that something that? Well, because I've been using. Be uh, well, I've been using DSP things, so, um, PowerCore, and my um, PowerCore was actually very fast for rendering, but my Liquid Mix um, made. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it made it render r really slowly, so oh, like really? almost like real time sort of rendering. I don't know if that was to do with the DSP. Uh, but now, I, I, to be honest, personally, now I don't think I'm going to, me personally, I don't think I want to use any external DSP now. I've actually gone off it as, a, as an idea. Uh, why so? Uh, partly because of that. Partly the render because time, of right. the so I, I mean that is a you know that is a very mobile uh de device but it is taking out another piece of equipment isn't it you know in the more you know especially for for your portable if it's in if it's in a studio and it's kind of in a rack or if it you know that's fine but every single piece of equipment that you have to take out when you're working on a job mobile you know yeah, it has to be worth its weight. I, I yeah. suppose uh, the only thing, I mean, I did a couple of tests with it on live inputs yeah. uh, to see how that worked. Yeah. Uh, certainly with uh, like a virtual synth and playing mm -hmm. through that, it, it, you know, it's not for real time. I mean, no. it's, it's definitely not. And that's a shame because yeah. I could see, you know, you could see maybe in a live situation, it'd be nice. You could probably yeah. use it on reverb sends and stuff like that. Right. But not really for... Does it have, because like the, the power core had a special mode where you could kind of click on the sort of power core icon and then you could make it sort of run in a low latency mode at a quite a big 
CPU overhead. So it would, um, yeah, I don't know if it's got sort of a similar mode. Um, I think it allows you to run mm -hmm. live mode stuff in uh, Logic, uh, right. but I didn't, I, I didn't S actually... Something, well, something to try that would be quite an interesting thing. A good thing with Reaper is that if you look at the, um, the, uh, syst the, the system processing um, view, mm. you, um, you can see it on a track-per-track -track basis. It'll tell you what, um, what CPU usage is going on of all your plugins. So it'd be quite interesting to see if you load in the different plugins there to see if it has any effect on the, the CPU load of your computer itself. Uh, uh, well, but uh, I know that because um, PowerCore, you know, PowerCore, it's supposed to take all of the DSP, and it, yeah, it doesn't, it, you it, still it, use quite a lot. Yeah, exactly. And different plugins, I noticed, had different... Uh, you know, I couldn't never work out that. I thought there might be just... Different plugins had different uh, CPU draw oh. off my system. Rather, what power core system did you have? I just had the little, the baby fire, uh, firewire the, thing. The firewire, yeah. I can't remember. Power core compact. All oh, right, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, time has marched on. Uh, it's much um, later than I expected, actually. So I think probably this is a good time to. Uh, Consider bring proceedings to an end. I want to thank, uh, well, my only guest, <laughs> Gaz Williams, songsurgeon.co.uk. I don't think I actually did an introduction for you, so, oh. which is a bit rubbish. But I, I often find I do that when I'm in the when I've yeah. got people with me. <laughs> so I want to say thank you very much for joining us, Gaz. Um, Pleasure. Really glad you could make it in person. Always nice to have some company in the <laughs> office, or should I say, studio, yeah, studio, studio stroke office. Yeah. Um, and. Thanks to all of you guys in the chat room. It's been a great week. Uh, lots of great information. Uh, I hope uh, you've uh, you've had a good show yourselves. I want to say thank you much, very much to our sponsors, of course. Again, YamahaSynth.com, YamahaDownload.com for checking out the N12 mixer. And also, Mac Pro Video, save 20%. Uh, go to SonicState.com forward slash MPV. Um, so once again, thank you very much. That was Sonic Talk number 229.